Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. America's Heroes Group Roundtable with partner Veteran Healthcare Policy Institute, VHPI. Today is Saturday, July 17, uh, 2021. Uh, this show is dedicated to Mr. Keith Cooper, who was un- tragically killed, who was a Vietnam veteran serving two tours. And uh, we will talk about him a little bit further uh, later on in the show. Uh, but he is loved by his grandchildren, let's, let's say that. Uh, today, we're going to talk to our panelist, Jasper Craven, VHPI Interim Executive Director. The discussion today is the history about discrimination claims for vets, veterans of color. Hello. Hi, Jasper. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, fine, fine. Yeah, so tell us, what what is this history about? Uh, it sounds like you can give us a great lesson today. Uh, we have our pens out and our ears open, <laughs> so we can uh, understand what your uh, perception of this is. Yeah, thanks. Well, I mean, um, I think, you know, many of your listeners and you yourself probably are intimately aware of the challenges uh, for veterans of color inside both the military and the Department of Veterans Affairs. These are long-standing issues that, you know, really date back to the country's founding. Um, I've written on some of these issues in my capacity as a journalist, and it seemed, you know, worthy of some discussion about them today because, um, as you also may know, about a week or so ago, this great new organization called the Black Veterans Project filed suit um, with the support of the Yale Legal Clinic to basically obtain comprehensive claims data from the Department of Veterans Affairs in hopes of understanding what specifically the um, inequalities are between white and black veterans when it comes to, um, you know, compensation claims, things like that. Oh wow, that's uh, that's a major step forward. <laughs> um, yeah. So, w- what do they hope to to uh, show, or how how does that uh, affect the uh, the balance of people actually uh, applying for claims? And you know, um, me- you know, many times uh, many of our veterans have actually passed away. Um, you know, over uh, you know over time, uh, just trying to uh, make claims, and uh, unfortunately, they went unanswered. Uh, so wh- what, what's your hope for that? What do you think that it will do? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's a really important point. Um, you know, sort of foundational to the promise of military service has been uh, access to benefits. And, you know, I mean, black soldiers were brought in during the Civil War to fight at a really tough time um, when the Union was in some trouble. And, you know, Tens of thousands of black Americans fought in that war, helped win that war. And, you know, while they were eligible for some benefits, almost immediately um, they were being denied at higher rates than their white counterparts. And, you know, this has continued ever since. Um, And so 
of course, yeah, generations of, of black vets has struggled to get benefits, not gotten them at all, um, or, you know, faced uh, disability uh, ratings that were not accurate. I mean, there's also a major problem with docs not believing black vets who claim they have PTSD. I mean, all of these are, are sort of wrapped up in each other. But uh, the clear uh, hope from this lawsuit is to basically obtain enough data, um, build up a damning case so that uh, further sort of class action litigation can happen in order to hopefully, you know, make good on some of the damage that's done to, uh, you know, living veterans who have struggled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point you're making. I was wondering, uh, you know, with my a little bit of my earlier comment that uh, some veterans have, uh, you know, passed on, uh, waiting for benefits that never were uh, actualized. You know, so if if this was found that they were actually, um, you know, due benefits, is that something that could be ten- potentially reclaimed by the family, or you know, living spouses or you know, surviving spouses of of those veterans who've passed? Yeah, that's a really good question. And um, I spoke to the the co-founder of the Black Veterans Project, Richard Brookshire, a couple of days ago about this. And, you know, I think they're still sort of figuring out exactly how they would structure a suit. But I, I do think that that is um, a consideration of theirs. And I think that ideally they would be able to... Um, you know, secure some sort of payment uh, for the families of deceased vets, um, you know, because that's certainly, you know, these benefits certainly are owed to the family. They, they were never realized. Yeah. Do, do we have any statistics so far, you know, on some of the things I, I've, I remember hearing that there were some statistics maybe out there that were looking at the discriminatory practices and how, um, you know, in actual some numbers, how uh, they, they've been occurring. Uh, I'm not sure if there's any kind of general, you know, general uh, impression of how uh, deep this thing runs and, 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 you know, what are some of the parameters they're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, there is some data. It's incomplete. But I mean, I, when I was writing about this a few months ago, one of the more shocking data points came in this 2003 survey. Uh, I think 3000 veterans were um, were interviewed for it. And basically about 40 percent of black veterans who claimed they had PTSD were given a PTSD diagnosis compared to like nearly 60% of uh, white veterans. Uh, And so there, I mean, you can see a pretty Mm. stark difference in how um, that specific claim is being, is being made and and is being accepted by the VA. Uh, You know, obviously that is incomplete, but um, you know, there's also just a lot of disparities uh, across the VA when it comes to veterans of color, uh, compared to white veterans. I mean, you know, in many ways, the VA does a better job at dealing with those disparities than the private sector healthcare system. Um, you know, but even so, like, black and Hispanic veterans make up 15% of the population, and yet represent like 45% of all homeless veterans. So like, that's like another clear issue, mm-hmm. uh, a disparity that 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 is 
shocking, frankly. And then, you know, beyond that, especially under Trump, there were also just a lot of really shocking anecdotes around racism at VA facilities by staff, you know, just like not necessarily in the in the provision of health care, but, you know, black staff feeling like they had been uh, mistreated by their superiors because of their skin color or, you know, that they were denied um, promotions um, or, you know, I mean, there were like some also shocking cases where uh, they saw, you know, just like use of the N-word against them or found, you know, nooses on their desk, like pretty, pretty wild stuff. And so I think there also just needs to be a real reckoning and a real improvement of conditions for the VA workforce, which is also um, majority veteran. You know, a lot of a lot of vets are working in the VA. A lot of them are vets of color. And so they also need to, to have their concerns remediated. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine, you know, I can imagine having a noose on your desk and then uh, the next day you're called into combat with the person who put that there. <laughs> not a good feeling, huh? No, no, <laughs> uh, not at all. Um, yeah, yeah it, it, and, you know, I mean, the, the former VA secretary, Robert Wilkie, was himself actually a former member of numerous neo-Confederate groups and, you know, gave speeches that basically testified to the bravery of people like Jefferson Davis and other Confederate leaders. So, you know, starting at the top, there was really a lot of uh, discrimination, and it, it really trickled down over the last four years. And so I think there just needs to be an overall reckoning now um, with the VA and these issues. Yeah, you know, and it's really, it's kind of interesting to me because it's really, uh, you know, we have the rules and the regulations and, you know, the laws that uh, are, you know, uh, UCMJ, so the Uniform Code of Military Justice. Uh, but it seems as though there still is a need to make sure that the constitutional principles apply to anyone who serves this nation, you know, um, and, uh, irrespective of uh, their, uh, you know, creed, color, gender identity, who, you know, and their, uh, you know, the gender in, in general, man or woman, right? So, I, I, you know, I'm wondering when we start seeing things like the insurrection, you know, um, on January 6th and we, and we see the prior, you know, uh, administration that was really vocally uh, destructive of people. Um, you know, we have v- veterans who are coming back over from uh, Afghanistan, and uh, you know, during the transition time, uh, as people are coming back over, the question always arises: Well, what kind of country am I coming back to? You know, uh, I've been defending this country, and then what does it mean to me as an individual when I get back? I know the World War II veterans had to, you know, had to face that. Uh, and the Vietnam veterans, uh, and the Vietnam veterans, irrespective of your color, I think you were really, um, really disrespected to a great degree. Even though you were, uh, you know, called up by the country to serve. Uh, but when you get down to you know the Civil War, and you get you know the, many of the wars that we've had, the Korean War, all these wars, um, people had to come back to a country sometimes that they were defending the rights of, uh, you know, on a global scale and to be denied those same rights that were embodied in the Constitution. So, um, if anything, I mean, as they're doing this uh, with the uh, Black Veterans Project, 
you know, the constitutionality uh, should be, you know, I think brought into focus as well. You know, are people being denied their rights? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think those are all really important points. And, uh, you know, I mean, the military also has long, you know, since the Civil War, again, like targeted um, largely uh, black and brown neighborhoods for recruitment. And, um, you know, at its best, the military can really provide a path to the middle class for, you know, Americans of all stripes and colors. And certainly, you know, some of um, some of. America's most successful leaders, uh, you know, served in the military, went through the GI Bill, people like Harry Belafonte, you know, major civil rights leaders. Um, And so, you know, the system as it exists or as it should exist does provide an opportunity for real, uh, you know, educational and economic and health uh, sort of empowerment and support. Um, Mm But if these systems are corrupted or if they're not working as they're supposed to, if they're not sort of in line with, yeah, basic constitutional concepts and, you know, the rules of the road, then, then you know, the, the system becomes inherently unfair. Yeah, you know, you, you started making me think of another thing, too. You know, we have uh, various branches of the service, so with the Army, the Marines, you know, the Navy, the Air Force, um, and you know the the armed branches, and we have the uh, the Coast Guard. But has there any has ever been any look looking into uh, with uh, disability claims any uh, differences between the branches? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, uh, it's it, you know generally it's really difficult to get granular data on claims and on the backgrounds of you know VA patients. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, there's like some like good sort of zoomed out data, but in, I think in large part because of uh, HIPAA and other like health secrecy laws, it's, it's hard to, you know, always understand what's going on in the VA when it comes to claims and benefits, um, including across the, the different service branches. Uh, but I mean, that is a really interesting question. And I mean, I would hope that uh, at least somewhere inside the government, they know that information because, you know, certainly if if one branch is showing many more mental or physical ailments than another, that that would that should, you know, require some soul searching, some thinking, some some change of procedures. Yeah, because one of the things that this came to mind again, I was thinking, you know, along that same line, uh, we just had the Agent Orange uh, issue, you know, with the um, with, where the uh, Navy, you know, got the um, clearance to, to, to make sure that people were uh, recognized as having been exposed. Um, and so, you know, there was some kind of a differential there, I would I'd imagine, you know, depending on where they thought you were or what um, what line of service you were in. Uh, but but that's kind of, yeah, that's something maybe I hope the data shows that later on, you know, you know, that, uh, and, and that would be, be, you know, more of a focused kind of um, review. And and one of the things, too, that I, I think uh, goes on is that there is almost like an internal uh, suppression. I remember, you know, you would have to, if you were injured, uh, your unit would have to write things up. And there was a great deal of resistance to writing things up because there's a lot of paperwork and, 
you know, they w- would document things. So this is really a command uh, command decision as well. So those people who are in the field um, who need to have, uh, you know, their uh, uh, things, claims sort of justified in the battle, on the battlefield, uh, we need to have more of that, or some some kind of focus needs to be placed on that too. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you know, yeah, I think there just needs to also be a fundamental sort of belief in the in in the veterans' perspective in what they claim happened to them, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in in all of that stuff, so that you know every veteran is able to smoothly. Um, access care and benefits and you know i mean frankly there should be it it, it in in the view of vhpi benefits should be open to you know veterans of all stripes including those with less than honorable discharges i mean in you know much of the time those discharged with that status you know acted out or had issues specifically because of the service that they saw and they experienced and so yeah i mean sort of zooming out i think i think this should prompt a, a, a broader debate about, you know, the availability of benefits. And uh, I think, you know, more work needs to be done to remove some of the hurdles to securing that help. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so, so uh, you know, what, what other areas, I mean, because I, I know, um, you know, with the um, – Healthcare Policy Institute, you're, you're, you've really probably uh, this, you know, wringing your hands waiting for this data to come in, you know, because that, that's the, uh, you know, that's the uh, blood uh, flow for, you know, uh, doing, um, you know, research and, and, and investigating things. Uh, so big data is everything right now. So um, what, what do you think is, what do they need to, to look at or what kind of um, areas are really of concern to you? Because uh, there are many different types of claims, like you mentioned, you know, PTSD is one of the uh, diagnoses. But but do you have a, a sense of where you think that the system is particularly failing? Um, yeah, well, I mean, there's definitely, there's there's numerous choke points or areas of frustration. I mean, we talk to a lot of veterans and uh, many have, you know, unique challenges, experiences. It, it can also sort of depend on the facility or the vision level, as you know. But, you know, one one real issue that we've identified are compensation and pension exams, which, you know, are sort of the prerequisite almost all of the time for veterans to receive benefits. They're sort of evaluated on any injuries they may have. And in the final months of the Trump administration, all of those exams were fully privatized. And so, um, they're now being done by private sector companies. And mm-hmm. a lot of veterans really become frustrated, even more frustrated than they were previously with these exams, just because mm-hmm. a lot of the evaluators don't have cultural, military cultural competency. Right. And yes, yes. they're not great at seeing military sexual assault or PTSD or, you know, sort of understanding the wear and tear that comes with military service and so oftentimes that because of that the the exams themselves are not um as accurate as they should be and that you know that can affect the outcome (laughs) right right yeah yeah, yeah. of a full disability rating so that's i mean that's a real sort of 
specific idea, yeah. Oh, well, we're, run- we're running out of time. We have like two seconds left, unfortunately. Every time I get on the uh, phone with, or on the show with you, I, <laughs> I you know, I uh, always wish we had more time, like an hour at least. <laughs> uh, but uh, do you have a, a website that they can go to to find out more information? Yeah, folks can reach us at veteranspolicy.org. Um, we have a lot of our, you know, policy critiques, investigative reports, and you can also contact us there. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jasper, and thank you, Partner Veteran Healthcare Policy Institute. You're doing a wonderful job for our veterans, and uh, we will have, we know we're going to have you back on multiple times because this is an issue that is just starting to, you know, come to fruition for us to fight against. Okay. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.